This is an adult podcast made for adults by adults. We're joined by Maddie today. She's one of the biggest fans of the podcast, and she deserves huge praise for sitting through some of my, I guess, very controversial takes, which seems to happen too many times because of my lack of empathy. Oh, and fair warning, if you're excited to hear us rant and fanboy about Bjork, not the episode, it turns out none of us know anything about her. That's why you gotta get hype for this episode of Fake Film Welcome to Fake Film Fans, a movie podcast for thoughtful degenerates. I'm Suede Best, and I'm a letter filled with acid. Hey everyone, I'm Walter, and I have some beef to pick. Uh oh. <laughs> okay, some beef to pick. <laughs> also, <gasps> 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 what's that? Let's introduce our guests first, and then we'll pick some fucking beef. I'm Maddie, and I am what Paul Simon and Julio were doing down by the. the Playground. Oh gosh, crap! What was that? The play. It's good. School. It's good. It's perfect. <laughs> that thing. That thing. That nasty. That thing. thing. Yeah, that this is this thing, is Maddie. She's <laughs> Maddie is one of three people in, I guess, the world who interacts with us on Twitter consistently. She also lives in Roanoke, and she's she 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 helps me out at the bookstore with finding books. She interacts with us on Twitter, and the last unicorn interacts with us on Twitter. Those are the two beings. All right, all right. So we have important things to get through. So fucking last episode, you motherfucker called me out for fucking breathing for the first fucking minute. <laughs> now I can't fucking cut it out. So there's just one long ref in the beginning of the episode. I legit don't understand why you decided to call me out because I help you so much through editing. Every single one of your... Which All happens in every single little fucking little <laughs> phrase you make. There's immediately a fucking sniff. And I go through all of that shit and cutting out. So from now on, we're not cutting out any of them. From now on, all your sniffs, no, all don't your me on fucking chair creaks, creak, creak. Every single little fucking breath you make is being kept on the podcast. So it's going to save me editing time. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> I know you're not going to do that. I know you care too much about the product. I know you're not going to do it. You're going to get so frustrated. I get so frustrated editing it. Why the why the fuck? Di- well, wait, why did why the fuck did you want to call me? Where was that design? I literally don't even remember. <laughs> I don't even remember recording that bit. I like could not even tell you. I feel like this is not the first time this has happened where you've got a beef with him calling well, you out. The, just Walter will bring up things that I did during the recording, and he's like, "How could you have done that?" And I'm like, "I don't know what you're talking about." And then I listen to the episode, and he's cut it out so i have no clue i like i literally have no clue i'm like what do you mean i don't i didn't hear that in the episode oh i kind of want to ask so you and sway know each other but did you guys talk about films for sway to introduce this podcast to you i actually don't think we ever really talked about movies well because this podcast is what started me watching movies again well in college i watched movies with you and sometimes i'll go see movies with people every once in a while but for the most part i don't watch them by myself and it wasn't until we started i, I watched them a good bit in high school and it wasn't until we started doing this again that I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of like sitting down and watching a movie. I can, like, do that now. I'm the kind of that guy now. Yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> a movie guy. I'm kind of a movie guy with a movie podcast now. Oh, my God. Fucking worthless. <laughs> Fucking worthless. <laughs> hey, people of color who are laughing at Swade's funny bits about the podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> about, oh, I'm a white guy, so of course I have to have a podcast. What about you, Maddie? You knew that this podcast was about movies when you grabbed it? I mean, or... it's called Fake Film Fans. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, for a while, thought the name would throw people off because it's, like, fake. And people would be like, oh, then it's not about films. I've had people be like, so do you talk about movies that aren't real? And I'm like, just leave my story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I just kind of figured y'all were, like, not necessarily, like, acting pretentious while talking about the films, but just putting your own two cents and, like, goofing. The picture on the bookmark is kind of wonky, so I wasn't expecting anything posh. <laughs> I have to be very careful of the people I give the, my bookmark out to, especially if I'm in the store, because there is content <laughs> that appears in this podcast that I'm sometimes like, man, what if the wrong person listened to this and came back to the bookstore and was like, knock, knock, knock. Your <laughs> employee gave me this dirty piece of paper with this dirty podcast on it, and then I'd be fired. It'd be over. I don't think the people that would, like, be so up in arms actually know how to do a podcast because my mom was talking to my dad about me being on this podcast earlier and he's like I know that's a thing, but I don't even know how to even get on and listen to one of those things. I don't even, I don't even understand how they work. I just, I know everybody's got them nowadays, but I just don't know what what's going on with that. <laughs> actually, Maddie, how did you meet Swade? I don't actually know this story. Well, I first met Swade wandering downtown, and I happened upon where he works. And I'm a huge bibliophile. At the time, I was going through an adjustment. I was living at the rescue mission, uh, which is like the homeless shelter in town. I had kind of lost temporary custody of my son. I've been off and on struggling with drugs and alcohol. This time I was, I've, I've been serious and I just was trying to be positive about everything. And a friend of ours, like the cops, she was just hanging out downtown and the cops just kind of started bothering her. I think she's an older woman and because she was quote unquote loitering and Suede was like, well, hey, if something like that ever happens again, let me know because I, I've got some connections and like I can, I can help you and your friends out if anything like that happens. And I thought it was really cool. And then it, he was a sweetheart. Over time, like as my life got better. I kept returning to the bookstore and giving them my, my hard-earned money because they're lo they're a local bookstore. And Yeah, you gotta support your and local businesses. I support businesses. my local bookstore. So for the quality of the fucking podcast, say something mean about Suede because we can't have his eagle this fucking okay. pie. That's true. That's sorry, true. I mean, sorry. there are plenty of mean things you can say about me. Okay. Well, he's too goddamn professional because he fucking... <sighs> pays attention to the other people in the bookstore when I'm trying to talk to him and he doesn't give me enough attention when I'm there. That's true. <laughs> Look, I go where the money goes. What can I say? You know, I, I see these little old ladies with their pocketbooks full of bills and I say, listen here, here's a James Patterson. Here's a, here's a Danielle Steele. And they love it. They eat it up. You know what? Let me add to this uh, criticism that's disguised as a compliment, but I'm going to make it into an actual criticism. You're going to actually hurt me. Yeah. How, how novel, Walter, hurting my feelings on the podcast who'd have thought about that would happen I, I, that's, that's rare oh come on that's half the fun yeah exactly exactly, exactly right sweet is only professional in professional spaces that's but when true. he needs to be professional in private spaces he collapses and fails <laughs> can, you, can you give an example Walt? let's think uh our last twitter post you posted a man's name our superhero's name ace and you spelled it a-c-e <laughs> Instead of A, which is his name, A. His name's not A's? No, it's A's. That's why he has an A. Oh, I've been spelling it wrong the entire time. I've... <laughs> 
<laughs> spelling it wrong on every post. On every Twitter post. I thought it was Ace! Dude, fucking my boss has been getting mad at me too because I keep putting spelling mistakes in the Twitter for the store. And she's like really <laughs> mad. Because I, I really struggle with spelling. It's like always been an issue with, for me. So what I've started doing, I look at it and I read every single word. And I say, this is this word. I say it out loud. And then I wait two seconds. And then I read the next word. And I completely divorce it divorce it from any of its meanings. It takes me, it takes me like 10 minutes. How come you can't just left click everything that has a line, a red line underneath it? Because sometimes it's it sounds the same, but it's spelled different. Uh, honestly, I don't really give a shit about the spelling. It's more that when you get my movies wrong. Oh, yeah, you hate <laughs> That's that. That's the only thing that pisses well, me off. Well, it's because you could easily spend 10 seconds beforehand and just Google it and you would get the name correct. Like you call my movies poison fairies for the butthole and i'm like what the fuck man you make my sick ass cool ass mexican film sound like a dumbass okay, movie now. you have to admit my photoshop skills are on point right now i'm churning out some solid gold memes yeah that's true some serious professional suite welcome back thank you thank you i'm back if anyone wants to teach me how to photoshop shoot me an email because I'm, I'm really struggling i haven't played with photoshop since it was like i don't know 15 years ago so i don't even know what is going on. I myself work at a nonprofit, kind of like where we sell books and things to raise money for various parts of the charities in the nonprofit. And uh, I like to collect cool stuff that I find for Suede to sell in their store. And it's kind of like a one hand washes the other kind of thing. And I just enjoy finding cool shit to like, you know, show off and be like, check this one out. Well, and you do a really good job. You're really good at finding these weird little Roanoke books, Roanoke and surrounding area books. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way you're gonna find like there's one it's like about a church in Blacksburg I think that's like been around for a long enough time for some little old lady to have written like a small book yeah. about it and like <laughs> you can't find that anywhere you can't no. fucking find that anywhere we get a lot of stuff from like the libraries and everything that like they're just getting rid of you know inventory and I'm like why are you throwing this out it's just too cool but nobody, <laughs> nobody listens to me yeah there's tons of cool stuff where you work I always like going in there I will tell you though every time I go in there I end up with the stuffiest, runniest nose going through all those books because it's so dusty. I don't know how you do it. I would be sneezing all the time. It's miserable. It's miserable. My nose runs constantly. You know, I just have to go blow my nose like so many times per day. <laughs> this is a stupid reference, but it reminds me of like when we used to go to the horse shows to see my sister and just like all the dust that gets kicked up and you blow your nose and like there's a whole ball of dust snot that just comes out in your tissue. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's worth it. Do you want to know something else weird, Walter? I didn't know this my entire time that I've known Maddie, but we went to the same high school just like a couple years apart. Hey, I think I told you that. You fucker. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Why are you asking me if well, I know about it? listening to the podcast don't know that. They don't know. It. It's part of the bit. <laughs> okay, okay. No, sorry. no, because you, you, you talked about it, about how cool your high school was and this and this and that about it on the podcast. I, I didn't have a way to contact you so i was like well i'm gonna go to ask walter he'll he'll ask for me and then walter's like yeah he does he totally did and um but i don't know anything about rono so i don't know what that means and i was like it's okay uh, walter has <laughs> literally no context it's okay <laughs> you know what we'll try this bit again since it's okay we're gonna do one of we're... our classic second chance bits our classic rebit yeah ask me again if i know i have 100 percent faith that you're not gonna fuck this up by okay way. i'm not gonna I believe this in up. you i think this is gonna go be ahead. a good bit good second chance bit hey you know something else weird walter do you want to know something a little weird yeah it's a little strange yeah. Wait, well, who's it about maddie it's about me and maddie you know oddly enough we've known each other for a long time but i don't think you knew this i don't think you, this is my first time telling you this we went to the same high school just a couple years apart <sighs> 
Mind blown! Oh shit! Such a jerk! I had so much idea. I'll go. You never told me this before. It's so cool. So cool. So interesting. Like it's the same joke. It's the same fucking joke. But we we did go to the same high school, and we actually both because the first year I was there, it was in the bank fall. Because you were your four years, you were there. It was in the old bank building. It was it was five years I was there actually. I got I started in two thousand and two when I was thirteen, and I like skipped a grade, and then I graduated in two thousand seven. So and I graduated in the the Dumas Center. Sweet always describes his high school to me. So I have a lot of one liners from him. What his high school is like, but I'm curious if your one liners, Maddie, are similar to Swade's one-liners about the specific high school. It's a school where there's no grades, where it's self-directed learning. It's all kinds of different interactions with different kinds of people and teachers from around the world. And just kind of one of them alternative learning schools. Ah, uh, see, that is a little different from what Suede would say. Suede usually goes, "It's a school for stupid people. It's an alternative learning school." But you guys both no. use the word alternative <laughs> learning first school. First of all, so. f- first of all, first of all, well, come on, I have professional connections. What I normally say, and it's not that way anymore. It's a prep school now, and it's a very nice prep school if that's what you're looking for. And there are a lot of people there who teach and are fantastic. When I started there, it was a school for people who were completely social inept and people who are drug addicts those were the two those yeah, are the two people i went basically. to high school with and i was mostly socially inept did you go to community school or you just went to the high school yeah i went to the lower school too oh my gosh that's awesome dexter's going there so now so he's basically calling dexter socially inept or a drug addict <laughs> no, the, no no the lower school is different than the upper school <laughs> they're, they're not officially affiliated anymore like they're loosely affiliated Dexter on uh, for little degenerates if you don't remember our first email from Maddie Sway talked about <laughs> a world hurricane what a hurricane yeah, a tornado a tornado he's, yeah, he's a good kid he's very funny he, uh, compared to some of no I can't say that <laughs> I was about to try to put some children on black compared to my own children yeah compared to my terrible children that I keep locked in the basement compared to me as a child yeah oh my god I can only imagine <laughs> if you're like like I've heard about as an adult then I can't imagine as a child Walter oh no what <laughs> <laughs> oh come on you talk about it on the podcast like I've heard all these stories about you being drunk at the college and doing all kinds of wacky that's true that's and- true honestly I didn't drink that much as a kid drugs in Hong Kong are just not as accessible or like alcohol drugs tabletop counter medicine and all this stuff. Like <laughs> tabletop counter medicine, <laughs> my favorite. When you're playing Dungeons and Dragons and doing some Tylenol. <laughs> yeah. Over the counter meds, you mean like Tylenol? Over the counter, over the counter. I can't remember the words. It's three words. It's very hard. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's not okay. You do better. No, it's so precious when he miss says something. I just I think it's adorable. <laughs> it's also precious when Swade gets mad at me. It's the fucking chemistry, baby. It's the chemistry. Ooh, let me kiss you. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, drugs are easy to get in Roanoke. <laughs> God, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, Hong Kong has a pretty, and also China, have a pretty intense drinking culture. There are a lot of alcoholics in Hong Kong, in my opinion. In fact, I think most dads that I meet are alcoholics in Hong Kong, but no one would call them that. So that's also true of Roanoke, by the way. <laughs> like, that is very true of Roanoke. So I have friends from high school who's like, dude, your dad is cracking open a beer as he's driving up to the home. Like, clearly something is wrong. <laughs> like, no, he just likes to have a good time. It's like, yeah. 
Yeah, dude, sure. People thought your dad was an alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, they did think my dad was an alcoholic. Because your dad would drink beer at field trips, remember? That's true, yeah. Well, my dad, <laughs> he actually was not allowed to go back on field trips because he took a couple of the teachers out to a bar once. <gasps> oh my god, that's awesome. He was like, we're going to drink, we're going to drink, gonna be fine. How old were y'all? This was middle school. <laughs> See, in high school it was acceptable because we went on like field trips to like different countries and stuff. The teachers all went out to the bar like in Ireland and got wasted. <laughs> it was all right. It was okay. Yeah, old, old, uh, old. Donut! Yeah, yeah. I hope that gets bleeped out. <laughs> it will. It will. It has to be. I have professional connections with some of these people. Yeah, I do too. You never were around, though. You came after. There was one teacher Donut! who uh, punched a kid and got fired. I heard plenty of things about Donut! Oh, uh, really? Yes. <laughs> Not a great human, maybe, but... Yeah, he was struggling. He called himself Buddhist, but he, he really struggled with alcoholism. He was a sweetheart. And now he's teaching over in China. He was from Roanoke, wasn't he? No, actually, I don't think he was from Roanoke. I think he, he was from somewhere else, but he, like, moved there to Roanoke. But, and then now he's, like, teaching in China. And he's not an alcoholic. No, he's still... He's te- in China now. <laughs> he's not an alcoholic. He can't be alcoholic in China. Oh, yeah, that's true. A Buddhist <laughs> high drinker. He a just Buddhist steals things from shrines. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> you should ask him next time he comes if he likes the bides you. That shit fucks you. Uh. I finally had a drink at a Halloween party. I just needed it to survive. Mood. But I, I don't really drink much anymore. It, it makes me feel bad. It doesn't sit with me anymore. It makes me feel ill. Yeah, if I smell it, like, it makes me feel ill. Even, like, if I smell it on another person. And I'm just like, oh, God, because... I've got so many, so much trauma wrapped in up in that smell that it's just like it's me in the face. Some might even call it "Dancer in the Dark." Ooh, good segue. (laughs) Thanks. It was bad. It was actually a bad segue. (laughs) This movie was a fucking bummer. Majorly sad. What is this movie called? Majorly again? sad movie. Dancer in the Dark by Lars von Trier. I think it's actually called Dancer in the Copium. Yeah, what the fuck? Why is it Dancer in the Copium? Because fucking Bjork is high on fucking Copium this whole fucking Why is she movie. high on Copium? I mean, she's blind, so she's yeah, not what? exactly. I mean, she can't really. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Are you talking smack about blind people? No, I'm talking about being blind in life. Sometimes it's about being Copium. Though. You're like so high on Copium, you're so blind on life. <laughs> What the fuck are you talking about? Wait, no, no, no. I, I'm going to fucking crack. I'm going to part this goddamn kimono. I'm going to crack this nut. I'm going to thump this melon. Are you saying, you callous, callous, mean little man, that because of her struggles in life, Selma is high on copium by pretending that her life is not terrible, even though it in fact is? Yes. Okay. That's very hateful and that's mean. Hey, someone's life can be terrible and someone's life can be great. They can still both be high on copium. Is this like an internet meme? Copium? Is this like a... I, I'm not I sure. Know. I think he's mixing opium with coping. I don't Wait, know. Wait, you guys don't know copium? All right, never Of course mind. I do. I watch all the VTubers. I was doing a bit where I didn't know what it was to see more <laughs> erudite than you. Uh, but of course I know word, what copium good word. is. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I work in a bookstore. No big deal. I'm wearing a Garfield t-shirt right now. No big deal. You just wanted me to explain what I thought was copium and then fall on my head. I do like when you do a bad job. Like you did, because <laughs> you did a bad job explaining. 
uh, actually. <laughs> copium is like a thing you tell people at the end of like video games after they've lost, and they're like, man, that's bullshit, it was the ping, it was whatever. That's copium, you're huffing copium. I think people said it a lot during the election, too, when Trump lost. People, people were saying say it a lot Trump, for everything Trump now. People. It's in the zeitgeist. It's in the zeitgeist, exactly. Sorry for ruining the fucking uh, beginning of Dance in the Dark of having a normal conversation about it. <laughs> yeah, no normal <laughs> Maddie, I, I normally do the plot intro, Maddie. Do you want to do it? Oh, I could totally do that. If you do a bad job, I will mur- I will bully you, by the way. Just uh, okay. Know. Well, this is a movie. It is based in Washington State in the 1960s. There is a girl played by Bjork named Selma. She's from the Czech Republic. She's an immigrant living sort of in a trailer on this guy's bill. He's a fucking cop. He's a fucking yeah, He's a fucking, fucking cop. He's a, he's a piece of shit. But we'll get to that. He is, uh, though. I mean, he's he, the oh worst. God, he's fucking no idea. Like, And that guy plays bad guys all the time. And his wife, Linda, Selma, at a factory with her friend, Kathy. And she has a kind of this guy who's kind of a stalker, basically. Uh, I know they like to say shy love interest, but his name's Jeff. And he likes to hang out and wait to see if she needs a Oh, no, he's, work. yeah, no, he sucks. The entire time, this, <laughs> every time he showed up, I thought something really <laughs> fucked up was going to happen. And thankfully, it never did. But I it's was like. It's played by that actor that's totally, like, discreet. And he's played bad guys before, too, so it's kind of like, I I don't know. Selma, she has a degenerative eye condition that it's hereditary. Eventually, her eyes are, she's going to go blind. But she's been working really hard at the factory, taking a night shift, doing all that stuff, and pen things. I don't know what the hell they were to make extra money. she's so bad at them. She's so bad at her job. Oh, yeah, they have to go, her friends go back over and, like, fix them afterwards. So she could save up money for this surgery for her son, Gene, because he's going to end up in the same boat. I know multiple times in the movie, like, people have been asked, like, well, why did you have him if you knew he was going to have this disease? I, like, towards the end, she says, because I wanted to hold a little baby in my arms. <laughs> also, it's like, why are people asking you this? Uh, abortion's not a thing that, like, is legal right now, especially in Czechoslovakia, where she had him. Like, why are you even asking? What, is she just going to throw herself down some goddamn stairs? I mean, I guess that's how one would have done it. They would have to have done it. Yeah, by yourself. Yeah, unless you want to try the coat hanger route, but that's not fun either. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so she she does it, these rehearsals for The Sound of Music where she plays Maria. So that's kind of like where <laughs> all the music kind of starts off because it's Swade's favorite musical. How do you yeah, feel about and- musicals, Maddie? Because uh, this is a weird one as far as musicals go. Because it is a musical, right? Yes, it is a musical. For me, it's kind of some I like and some I don't. Some I feel like I'm just kind of over it. And some are I'm just like, they're so beautiful and just the choreography. And it really depends. I really like older musicals. Well, you know, like Into the Woods and all that shit. And I'm just like, I don't I don't. I don't even shit. know what that is. Into the Woods? Basically, they take all the fairy tales and throw them together. It's a Disney thing. Disney produced it. Anna Kendrick. I do. Anna Kendrick is. Yeah. Well, she's she's a, she's she's a rare one. She's she's funny and she's talented in the ways of dance and sing. Little Shop of Horrors. That's a great musical. I love that one. My old high school put on a production of Little Shop of Horrors, and I got to play Audrey. You got to be Audrey. Yeah, they cushioned my butt and cushioned my bust like I needed it, and yeah, I had to put on an accent like suddenly Seymour, and got to do all that fun stuff. That's so fantastic. <laughs> I had a D and D 
campaign I was running, and one of the um, central NPCs was based off of Audrey. Cherry Lip Gloss. She was an alien stripper. I'm just trying to get off the asteroid. He's trying to meet my little brother back on Pluto. I don't care about this plot anymore. Let's fucking ditch the plot. Who cares? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Last time we talked about okay, musicals, okay, you no, just shat quickly. on me for having Wait, let me finish any... it up. Okay, so anyway, yeah, 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 she saves this money. Oh, so my part gets she... cut out, and I get interrupted. Well, we get to listen to Slade <laughs> rant about Walter, this little asteroid let boy. Let me finish what I'm doing. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> she, she's been saving up this money. And one night, Bill, the guy, the police officer she lives on the property of, comes over and he's all like, I don't know if he's drunk or if he's just being a butthole. And he's like, oh, I'm so pitiful. I don't have any money. My wife spends all the money and they're going to steal our house. And so she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Would it make you feel better if I tell you one of my secrets? I'm going blind. So on, so forth. So blah, blah, blah. He uses that to his advantage. He finds out where she's been storing the money, takes the money. Then she finds out and she goes over to confront him they wrestle with his gun because he's like i'm gonna shoot you and she's like i don't believe you and he's like do you feel the gun bitch do you feel the fucking gun do you feel it do you feel it in your hand she's like oh my god i believe you and he's like all right then you're not gonna go until unless you shoot me and just so she's like they wrestle with the gun and he she shoots him and accidentally and then he's like just kill me please 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 just kill me because i'm a sad sorry yeah he like sack begs of shit. her to kill him oh my god he's awful he's a sad sack of shit so she like shoots the gun off and as many rounds and she runs out of rounds and he's still not dead he's just riding on the ground so yeah, she like misses a hammers the shit misses. out of him with the safety deposit box until yeah, he stops rough. moving then there's a scene of course where she's dancing with his corpse and all that fun stuff and he's telling her it's okay he forgives her anyway so she is sentenced by a peer of her jury all the way to the supreme court jury of yes well they don't want to overturn the decision she didn't even want to hear about that she's like shut the fuck up kathy what's important is my son gets his ass hot and she basically gets hanged by the gallows and it's it's very abrupt and it's very intense and it's just there you go it's a bummer it is a bummer <laughs> of a film it's not for the faint of heart. No, it is a bummer of a film. I mean, I like the way that there's a difference between the way they film the normal part of the movie and then the musical scenes that she's imagining. Those are all like steady cameras and they do from multiple angles and the lighting's a lot brighter. With the part that isn't the musical part, it's almost like a stage play itself, the way that, that it's acted. I feel like parts of it seem like the style that you would if you were up on stage rather than the style of a movie. Which is interesting because the beginning is nothing like that. The beginning actually gave me really heavy gummo vibes, oh, especially gosh. with the with the shaky camera stuff. Can you explain to me what you feel is the big difference between stage and film production? When it comes to stage production, I think about how one projects their voice as well as how they enunciate the words that they're speaking. When it comes to like film, it more wants to be more natural, like people actually speak when they were speaking to each other. But when you're on stage, it's, it's more about portraying the lines and the story and getting across what's happening versus with film, there's more there to let the story tell itself, I guess, in a way. Yeah, I've heard that a lot from uh, drama actors who say when they first get into movies, the director's always like, act less. And they're always like, I'm not acting anymore. What the fuck is going on? When some of it's <laughs> technological, right? If you want to get your voice across stage and be angry on a play, you have to get all the way to the back of the room. And even with a mic, that can be difficult. In a movie, they got a super magic ultra camera and a fucking god microphone. You can be like, I'm so scared of the ghosts. And like, they'll hear you because it's going directly into the fucking microphone. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, did you also learn that from Donut? No, um. I remember Donut telling me that. Yeah. Donut. 
that was like a later, he was one of my teachers. Before that, I had others. And my brother even taught film one year there. So I've just, I've had a lot of drama teachers and film people. Speaking like on the musical part of it, in the court scene, they bring in the guy she keeps saying is the name of her father, which was an old tap dancer guy um, named Oldrich Novi. And that name comes up a lot because it's like her idol. He's actually played by Joel Grey, who's like a famous musical Broadway person. He was in Cabaret, both the stage play and and the movie version. He was also uh, the Wizard of Oz in the original stage production of Wicked. He's just like this awesome dude who's like five foot five and just a power. And he also and- like. <laughs> he also is like by the way i have no clue who this woman is that's not my daughter <laughs> yeah well like, that's like, like i don't i don't get that either because it's like okay you're gonna get this one old rich novi when there's probably a few of them multiples. out there if, if yeah like so and, and then just because this one guy says he's not her dad then her dad's not named Oldrich Novi. Okay. You're not going to seek them out too to find out and put them on the stand. Not to mention you didn't get to see any of the defense and mentioning that she was a commie multiple times. So it's like, ah, she's already fucked. She's a commie. Fuck that bitch. I mean, there are some interesting musical elements. When you think of the way a musical functions, right? There's something seamless about the way the music functions with the film. It flows. Yeah, exactly. It flows from one section to the next. And this movie makes the musical sections very disjointed. And one of the ways they do that is is exactly as, as Maddie said, by switching the camera um, up the way they're recording. It goes from like regular... Shaky cam. Yeah, shaky cam documentary, cinema verite style almost, to this quick cut music video kind of recording. The first time it happened, I was like, what the fuck is going on? This movie is a musical, huh? (laughs) But it's also interesting, a lot of the music that happens at the beginning tends to be built off of sounds that are already happening. Like the first song that plays, the the melody and everything is built off of the sounds of the factory, right? Which is something she says earlier. One of the things she likes to do is like sort of dissipate into the noise and absorb the sound of the music through its existence. Which I guess, I mean, if you want to get back to Walter's copium statement, (laughs) that is a way to cope. You have this dead-end job and you are rapidly becoming blind. I mean, and so what do you do to cope? You listen to the music that's around you, even if it's like not actually there. Well, especially since your hearing sense is getting heightened because you're losing your vision. Oh, I like so that. So someone that's musically inclined can definitely hear music in almost anything that they hear. And I think that's that's very poignant at the end when she's in the solitary prison cell where she can't really hear any sounds at all and she's miserable because she has no way to escape until she hears the, the sounds in the chapel and she's able to turn that into her own song, version of a Sound of Music song. Your second time watching this film, did you feel anything different this time? I was just more angry because I knew how it was going to end this time, but I still was like, didn't remember everything. So like at the end, I had forgotten how it just is uh, so abrupt. It really hit me hard. It's kind of like when you get like a jump scares, it was kind of like a mix of a jump scare yes, and like a, a soul wrenching, scare. just, ugh. I know it's a finality, but not even to the... Ah, it was just it settled wrong with me. <laughs> well, yeah, she doesn't get her like final still- words. No, I'm, I'm with you. And that, that's actually, I think, my favorite thing about this movie is the end. So there's this section that we talked about where Selma is sitting with Bill, and Bill's like 
fucking my wife's gonna leave me i'm so fucking worthless like i don't fucking know what to do oh my god you know and then of course selma's like i'm going blind like i can't fucking see shit and it's gonna happen to my son too and they like bond a little bit and then she starts talking about how when she was a kid she hated the ends of movies and the final number in musicals because it meant it was over she'd always leave yeah she'd always leave early she didn't want to see it finish that way the movie could keep going on forever at the end of this movie right she's getting ready to be hung and she's freaking out she's fucking freaking out because they've put a bag over her head that's my least favorite scene in this entire film. Oh, I actually God, did fast forward I know that, that. It was very that, rough. Yeah. Because she's, she's like begging and screaming. It's, it's horrible. And so they take the hood off and then as they put the noose around her she starts singing a cappella, and it's a little unclear as to if she's actually singing or if this is like a musical section that's like a fantasy. But regardless of whether or not it's happening or real she does not finish the song. The rope falls and her neck Ugh. snaps before she can even finish. It's so abrupt. It's so abrupt but it's also okay so Tori has been on the podcast before and Tori and I argue about whether or not death is actually like a release because he says you can't experience your own death once it happens it just happens there's no way to experience it and i feel like when you die the lack of experience is a relief even if you can't experience it and i think this movie kind of points in tori's favor right she gets to exit the movie early because she dies that's what dying is because you don't get to see the end it's just like oh you're done i don't know i was kind of blown away by the end it has like almost an emotional Chekhov's gun at the beginning and then it comes to pass at the end she doesn't finish movies she doesn't get to finish. I I, I don't know. I, I really like that. I know that was a, a point made, and, and especially since the song she was singing called The Next to Last Song. And she talks about not liking the build up when she knows the end is coming and she her voice is building up and it's like slowly building and gets to that point where you, you think, you know, her voice is going to get louder and louder and then it just goes and it's gone and her glasses go all over the ground. And it's like... Damn. I honestly don't understand really either of your points, to be honest. <laughs> what do you mean? I just don't understand what you and Tori are arguing about. Okay, Maddie, you could weigh in. You probably have opinions on this as a neurotic academic. <laughs> so one of the solaces I take, and this is going to get real real, one of the things that helps me get through the day is knowing that at some point I will cease. One day I know I will be dead and I will cease to suffer and not suffering in like this like grand oh woe is me way but like gravity itself pushing down on my bones causing like normal everyday aches and pains is suffering it's not a huge amount of suffering but it is a kind of suffering like the fact that my feet get tired when i walk that's suffering and all of these little pieces of suffering add up and i know one day i will cease all of that and i get to be gone well in in buddhism to be human is to suffer exactly and so i invest a lot of safety emotional safety in the fact that I will one day cease. And Tori, fucking Torrance, fucking douchebag, sweet baby boy, is like, man, you won't even be able to experience death. You'll just, it'll stop. You'll be living and then you'll just always be living because then as soon as you're done living, you'll be dead. And it's all just like Nietzsche. And then he starts talking about Nietzsche and jerking off and fucking <laughs> grabbing his cock. And I hate it. I hate it. I liked what you said, though, like as you mentioned this earlier, about how when you cease, everything ceases. And so in that moment, that's, you are feeling your death. Yeah, clearly, right? I agree with that way more. Plus, I believe, I believe in reincarnation. So I believe that like once that God, happens, I hope I don't just, have to do this Go again. do it all over again. Fuck that. <laughs> Fuck that. If you didn't learn your lesson this time, you got to go over again. <laughs> fucking i hope not my my question to you suede then is if that's your position why don't you just off yourself now because i enjoy life so what's the solace here i'm actually still confused ceasing enjoyment is what you're excited about no 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 no. because like i also get to like play playstation and see faces of people i like 
and write and read. I get to do a lot of things I like, but there have been periods in my life where I have been so unhappy. And for me, the big thing is fear, right? I have a lot of fear. I have a lot of anxiety. And there have been periods in my life where I was so terrified that I would just lie in the bed and shiver and be nauseous and like be just like incapable of getting out of my own home. I would have thoughts like, this is going to be the rest of my life. This is fucking forever. This is just, I'm never going to be able to leave my house. I'm just going to be trapped here. And my shrink told me that, you know, these are not going to be forever. You are someday going to be done with all this, right? And I was like, am I? I mean, what if I just feel really sad for the rest of my life? And really scared for the rest of my life. And then I was like, oh man, I don't have to worry about that because one day I will be dead. I also don't really fucking understand Tori's point at It has all. to do with that thing Nietzsche says about how like, what would you do if you died and then you would do your life the exact same way over again every eternity? You'd just be repeating your life over and over the exact same way, suffering the same things you did the first time around over and over. I, I don't know. Okay, it's stupid. It. I think it's horseshit. I, I, I've not read much Nietzsche, but Tori's explained that bit to me and I thought it was really stupid. Why do you like this? Uh... <laughs> Well, Sweden is the god of movies and philosophy and, philosophy. and writing and, and swimming writing. And, and running and basketball. Do you think you're better at Sweden at any of these things, Maddie? Which things? Swimming, basketball, basketball swimming, philosophy, swimming. raising a kid. Definitely got me beat on that one for yeah. sure. Hundred percent. Yeah, I don't know. Can you dribble a basketball? Yeah. I mean, I played, like, I went to basketball camp when I was in first grade. I know how to play basketball. Okay, so then you're probably better than me, better at That's not true. You're not better than Swede. Swede is good <laughs> at basketball. I'm being, I'm, I'm, I'm being coy. I'm being a coy little guy right now. I'm very good at basketball. Okay, so even if you think the Nietzsche thing is stupid, I need to understand Tori's point if it's related to mine, because what I don't understand from you is that when you're in your deep, dark, fucking, like, shithole of a fucking mentality, why is there more solace in when it all ends this will end man you want to get the real snickle fritz huh you want to get deep up in that i mean i don't know dude <laughs> dude it's like because there in those moments it feels like it's gonna last forever in the same way that like one of my big things is like driving on the highway i really don't handle it well i'm single ladies if you're interested i'm afraid of driving on the highway but uh, i'm willing to go on a date really really cool live with my parents and you know, i'm a real catch all these cute ladies are coming to my bookstore He's also white, so he has a podcast. <laughs> You're gonna ruin that joke for me. Uh, uh, but so, this is what happens every time, Walter. I tell you my cool jokes. In, the, in those moments where I'm like so terrified, when fear is your main emotion, it's hard to like be logical. Oftentimes, fear is illogical. Yes, in, in, it is in the manner it is that it is illogical. But but that's why I'm confused. Why death can be a solace. Because your bra- your mind doesn't work that fast. Your mind doesn't work those full wheels. It doesn't like go, oh, I'm going to think really uh, deep about this whole situation. It's just like, hey, I'm going to grab onto something I know that I can use and I can um, push myself forward with and I'm going to cling to that. You were talking about copium earlier. You call it copium. Mental health professionals would call it coping strategies, by the way. <laughs> uh, healthy coping strategies. Use your toolbox. <laughs> yeah, you need, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that is, that is a tool in my toolbox. But it does feel universal to me, even though I know, like, my mom doesn't think that way. I mean, Maddie, you said yourself, you think people get so, reincarnated. Okay, I understand what you mean, Maddie, that when you're in your dark place, a lot of people hold on to one thing. But where I'm coming from is, I'm trying to understand why why Swade loves this death scene so much and he used this Tory and him argument it sounds like it's because there's something fundamentally that you view a little universal that this scene was against but I don't know 
the universalities of either side right now. I don't even know what you're coping on. I don't even know what Trier's point on death is, I, I don't to be think, honest. I think Lars von Trier is probably leaning into sort of the Nietzschean understanding of death. It seems like something pretentious and loserish. Uh, that he would be invested, but it in. doesn't seem like you know anything about Nietzsche. Is this just out of your no, ass? No, she doesn't get to experience her own death in the same way that she doesn't get to experience the end of the movie because she leaves early. Her death is leaving early because she cannot experience it. Oh, okay, okay. I'm starting to get to what we're talking about. Sorry, it took a while. I'm just a little stupid when it comes to some of this stuff. It's okay. It's not. He's a, he's a professional. You're doing better than he is, Maddie, and you've been on not even one episode. This is your first episode, and you're doing better than he is. It's hard for me to understand these statements that people think are human inherent. Human is my second language. That's the real problem. That makes sense. Yeah, you need to know that to get by in life. I don't. I mean, you, you're just bumbling right now. Walter's got enough money. He's fine. He doesn't need to yeah, worry about that. That's kind now. of how it works. When you have enough money, you actually don't have to understand humans. Fuck this conversation about death. The conversation should be how much I'm dominating society and winning. Despite having no skills and no trauma and no problems. Do you still have that stain of um, kimchi on your wall? Because I don't think you could be winning. You keep asking me this, but I can't see it anymore. I told you. Oh, man, you are winning then because it's gone. Wait, you guys were talking about this a while ago. I smacked a mosquito yesterday and then a whole bunch of dirt is now on the wall. (laughs) Uh, when we lived together, I wrote on all our walls in pencil for a goof. I don't know if it was a goof. And then we lost the deposit. It was somewhere between a goof and an investment, maybe. I think it was just immaturity, dude. Here's a story. My sister used to pick her nose and put her boogers on the wall. And my parents saw it and they freaked the fuck out of her. But what they don't know is that I used to take my dog's eye shit and then put it on the wall. And my sister saw that. (laughs) So once the dog died, she started putting her boogers on the wall. Because it's just a fucking neurotic habit you have as a kid, right? So... That is the weirdest, saddest thing I've ever heard. Oh, Saturday, my, copium in the dark? Yes, it is. My <laughs> dog died, and so my sister started putting her boogers on the wall, just like I did with my dog. That's, like, so yeah. deeply weird. I'm going to write a short story about that now. I'm stealing that for a short story. No, no, it's not my dog died. I don't know how it translates. It's just that she probably would have continued to take my dogs onto the wall, but because the dog is dead, she had to use her own. There's, like, weird role model mechanics. Right, which is weird and sad. Is that sad? It's weird and it's sad. Sometimes I don't understand what sadness is, I think. That's the problem. I know, I know. (laughs) It's because you smile all the time. It's because you're a precious little sweet thing. Thank you. Except I shave. (laughs) (laughs) Just put on Cleden's Clearwater Revival and Walter will be sad. Really? I can't remember the song anymore. It was Have You Ever Seen the Rain? It was Have You Ever Seen the Rain? (laughs) (laughs) Or I Do Anything. That was the other one. I do anything. Just don't do it my (laughs) own. Speaking of sad songs, guys, the Carly Rae Jepsen album is... It's good. Moaning. Is it sad? Is it good or is it sad? Okay, disclosure. I had a rough couple of binge drinking weeks two weeks ago. I was listening to Carly Jepsen throughout the whole time. It was fucking great. But the binge drinking Aww. was Just not like, too good. <laughs> you, you, were, you were in that Charles Bukowski zone. There was this one time I was editing the podcast and I turned my head and I threw up all over my floor. <laughs> 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 I can relate, man. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> 
I didn't have a podcast, but I was <laughs> just <laughs> just lying on the couch feeling real sorry for yourself and vomiting. People don't like to talk about vomit, but as an alcoholic. Part of the reason my teeth are pretty bad. <laughs> anxiety makes me vomit. Speaking of that, though, the one thing I always think is weird about films like Dance in the Dark, how can these people never vomit out of anxiety? Because from my experience in Swade's family, so it's not just Swade, it's his entire family. They keep vomiting every single fucking day because they're like, oh my God, I have to clip my nails. And it's like, <laughs> what the fuck? So and- mean. My family has been nothing but kind to of you when you came to Rona. They have only showed you love. I and mean, he's over there drunk, crying about Buffy. Like- when Walter first came to Roanoke, we were talking about waifus, and my mom looks at Walter and goes, can Walter be my son-fu? I mean, that's how much she loves him. Well, and you want to do this? You want to do this to her? They like it when I meet them. They don't. They don't. It like means it. they get mentioned on the podcast. Every once in a while, Walter will upload a new version of the podcast to his YouTube channel, and my dad will like watch clips of it before we oh. say something so horrible that he turns it off. Really? <laughs> yeah he's like I, I can't believe y'all said that i turned it on <laughs> he also he hated this movie he was sitting next to me while i watched it while i was watching dancing in the dark fucking hey did he blame me actually he did he was like why does walter like all these terrible movies and it's like it's not even I walter it's, it's my friend maddie it's not even walter this time so why why are these like anxious characters never fucking vomiting like i've seen so many movies and no one uses vomiting characters well because movies aren't real life that's a good that's point that's a good point i feel like there's a movie i saw where someone finds out something and quickly goes and vomits it was like a horror movie I was watching. When they see dead corpses, they vomit. No, she'd gotten some bad news and she vomits, but I can't remember what it was. I just wish there was a vomiting main character, you know? But the vomit wasn't like pornographic. Pornographic or... vomiting? Are you talking about like the Slaughtered Vomit Draw trilogy? <laughs> yes, yes. I'm talking about like slaughter films and all that stuff. Or Hisayasu Seido. They use vomit, but obviously it's pornographic. They need to have an anxious character who fucking vomits. It would make me love that movie so much. I feel like there has been... In like like a movie but i feel like it was a comedy <laughs> the person was so anxious all the time and they just vomit because they were so anxious Say, you're a comedy <laughs> i am a comedy i am a joke to you look upon me i am worthless i am a joke of myself i think one of the problems with vomiting is that it removes you from a space you go from being involved in something to being completely isolated i could see it as far as like plot beats go getting in the way like if your character vomits every time they get anxious and they have to run to the bathroom to go vomit it means it's you're like gonna have they to film out them. the best shit yeah yeah exactly it's gonna get in the or way just like vomit all over themselves then they don't have to go anywhere it's, it's all good Man, we are doing a lot of vomit talk on this podcast today huh? <laughs> awesome awesome good for the listener retention awesome i'm still single ladies they love the vomit I fucking love it. That's what matters. Just like lying in the bathroom with your head in the toilet, waiting to vomit so that you can finally stop being nauseous from your anxiety. Or gagging. Yes. Oh my God. It's the worst. It would work with Selma for sure though, because she kills Bill, can vomit, wouldn't take her out of the scene. And then she does her musical and then she's clean. Yeah, well, she's dancing with a dead body. So she's got a, her stomach's made of steel. I think it's also probably pretty hard from a props perspective to get that vomit to come out in a way that looks real. It would be bile vomit. It wouldn't be like, you know, SpaghettiOs and shit coming out. SpaghettiOs. We are not talking about vomit anymore. We are done. We are done. We're not going to have any more listeners.
There's very little empathy in this film for Selma, with the exception of the musical sections. But they're fantasies. They're not actually happening, with the exception of... The guard. The guard, and also her friend Kathy. But, but, but I'm not even talking about the characters. I'm talking about, like, the actual movie itself. There's no space in the film for Selma to have any, like, little break, with the exception of these musical sections, which are all in her head. I have a friend I, I do fiction workshop with who has told me this about some of my work that I'm less happy with. Uh, and she said, this is why, and I don't know if I agree with her, but it is something I've been thinking about. When people make stuff and they don't have empathy for their characters that they're making, it can be like really hard to experience. At one end, you end up hating the character, and at the other end, you're just watching someone get degraded for, like, God, fucking two hours and 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you and I were talking about this. I said it was a sad movie. And what, what did you say? I think this movie is funny. I think it's a dark comedy. <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> but so I'm, I'm interested to in, in Walter and what you have to say about the idea of, like, rather than the empathy that the characters can give in the narrative, the actual empathy in the film itself. Tons of brutal movies we've watched on the show have had empathy for their characters, right? The Hills Have Eyes, there are, like, sections where you get to, like, watch the characters suffer in a way that feels you're supposed to take a breath with them. And this movie, there's just, like, no really like blow after blow after blow to Selma. Do you think about empathy in relationship to the act of filmmaking, like with their characters? Um, I don't think that Vaughn has empathy for this character, but I also, but like, I don't know. <laughs> Is this too hard of a question to ask without any, uh, without no, any, it's more um, like I, for me, a director who's empathetic of a character or not empathetic of a character it doesn't bother me. I'm going to remain empathetic or unempathetic regardless of the director because I don't watch movies the same way you do where you follow the rules of a film. That's Maybe fair. I want to return the question back to you and I don't know if which boat you feel in, Maddie, now that we're on this fucking weird-ass binary. I'm going to turn this <laughs> question back on you. Do you feel empathy to Selma? Because personally, I don't feel any em empathy to Selma. That's probably why I don't find this movie very tragic compared to a lot of people. But... Uh that Before, is also why it was directed at me. I'm sorry. No, I know. I shouldn't. I was going to talk smack about Walt. <laughs> There'll be time for that after. Uh, no, I definitely did. I just by the way that she is, as she's kind and she's sweet to everyone else around her. Yeah, sometimes she, you know, flies off the handle when she's upset, like slaps her son in the face when he doesn't go to school. But for the most part, she's a kind soul. She's nice to everyone she encounters. There really weren't any scenes where she was too mean to anybody. I mean, even with Jeff, I mean, when she wasn't like pissed off about her son missing school, she was still nice to Jeff. And she'd even said, Jeff, look, I'm not, I don't want a boyfriend right now, but if I did, it would be you. She was just a really sweet little muffin. And like to see a sweet little muffin go through such shit, with, like, nothing going her way, really. It's upsetting. <laughs> See, I think this film is empathetic because Bjork is Selma. I think if you picked someone who is not Bjork to play Selma, I don't think the film would have the same type of energy. I think Bjork's reputation carries into Selma. I think Selma herself is not an empathetic character. I think if you used a random actress who played Selma, she would not have this sort of, wow, she's such a sweet little muffin type of feel. I'm just, like, wondering 
why like why don't you feel empathy for the character not Bjork like what what is it about the narrative that summons a lack of empathy I tend not to have empathy for people who are just sweet little muffins who are nice <laughs> who are sweet who okay, are yeah, darlings yeah. who are fucking like someone's not perfect I have a lot of gripes with someone I think some of her decisions are very flawed which make her a flawed human being but her flaws as a human being are not things that make me empathize with her I like people who are a little selfish who are a little mean but not in the way that like I'm gonna do everything independently because I can't trust anyone and then my mistake is not recognizing the people that I should trust are not gonna help me for me I don't care about the director's intent so that's why I'd rather hear you guys talk about this empathy thing rather than I because I don't think I'm that interesting when it comes to this conversation I think what you just said was interesting so this is always my point like yeah. this is not this is new <laughs> one thing that you said that really has come clear to me and i think we could have this conversation less now that you've said it there are these characters who are good and bad things happen to them and their flaws are not flaws that they're bad they are just good and you have a hard time empathizing with these characters who are just strictly good yeah but good in this normalized acceptance of good I mean, technically, I think she's bad. Here's okay. something we can okay. debate on, too. Okay. But do you think a person is better? Fuck. Actually, in my head, I'm setting up these two types of caricatures. One person is someone who constantly trusts people, and every single person they trust fucks them over. So they fall apart, but they come back up. They redo it and trust someone else again. Are they in a better situation than the person who has been so disillusioned by trusting people that they have changed into this person who only relies on themselves and is independent and fails to trust people who actually they should trust. Yeah, the trusting person's in a better situation. I think that trusting person is less selfish, more woke. I don't know if that's the fucking right word. <laughs> I, I just think this independent thing is a big weakness and it actually makes you a very selfish and weak person. But there are so many people in this world that are so beaten down that they really have a hard time trusting other people right now. And I'm not trying to say they're wrong, but narratively i see that as a weakness there's a selfishness in that compared to trying again to trust people i think there is a selfishness narratively maybe uh in real life too i'm not sure about not being able to trust people because trust is about connection right and it, it is selfish to deny another person a connection i don't think that's necessarily a wrong thing to be selfish in that regard i am selfish that way in plenty of interactions i choose to keep people at arm's distance just because i have my own i have my own things to do okay what about Soma's final decision then like I find that a little bit of a weird selfish decision to not want to talk to the son and allow the son to have any interaction with her till her death yeah I, I don't I'm a I'm a mother because she doesn't want him to see her the last thing he sees is her of is, is is in prison about to die she doesn't want him to see that she wants him to remember the good times how she was before all this shit went down she doesn't want that that image in his mind isn't that a mentality of i want the person close to me to understand me at my best self not at my worst self no because it's saving him trauma in the long run trust me i went through this when i chose not to have my son like see me sometimes when i was not doing so great it was better to keep him away from seeing me in the hospital and to just wait i mean she can't wait but like then to have him see me where i'm like at my worst and to have that trauma for him like that he can't do anything to save me to help me to make me better and and then blame himself in the long run because of it 
because children will find any way to blame themselves for something that's going on because they don't understand. So that's actually fair. Perhaps the only reason why I don't have empathy is because I've never been a mother. Well, okay, but I want to push back a little bit from a craft perspective. I think because we don't get breathing room with Selma, there's not a scene where she explains, I don't want my son to see me like this because it's going to inflict trauma on him or whatever. She's just like, it's going to make his eyes worse. He can't see me. This has to be a secret. Some of that is the way the narrative is built, right? Some of that is this sort of disjointed kind of art house style filmmaking that goes into the production of this film that makes it kind of interesting to watch. That combined with, I think, Lars von Trier's complete and utter lack of empathy for his main character, using her basically as like a paintbrush for tragedy. I felt frustrated. I did not understand why she was doing things she did. So for one thing, I don't understand why she didn't let the case be saved. I don't understand why she kept insisting that her son's eyes would get worse if he was stressed. That's like not a thing. That can't be true. I put those thoughts on the shelf because the movie doesn't seem interested in those things as much as it is like just like subjugating you to like this artsy sense of sadness and dread and like this last act of defiance that gets cut out from under her but i think if the viewer had been given space to understand some of why selma does the things she does it would be easier to understand like because until you'd said what you'd said maddie i was like i guess she doesn't want her son to see him because it's going to make his eyes worse or i i guess because she you know i mean i i think it makes some sense that she, you know you don't want your son to see you in jail but so well, well i don't think it's just like your lack of perspective as not being someone who can push a baby out of one of their holes <laughs> so let's also clarify this though what you're saying is that you're not saying that von Trier fucked up with his craft he intentionally makes it so that some people who don't maybe have babies come out of themselves are going to empathize with this I can't say what Lars von Trier was attempting to do. But I, I feel like if you have faith in von Trier as a director, there's no way you can be like, oh, he made an accident and oopsie. Okay, so that, no, no, you are right. I am saying that there are purposeful choices that are made that give us distance from Selma, the main character. And because of that, it is sometimes hard to empathize with her. That distance and then also the disdain that Lars von Trier has for that character by all the things that he puts her through makes it really hard to develop a logical sense of empathy for her that's not just like man it sure would suck to be hung it's hard to give her narrative empathy because there's no explanation as to why she does the things she does i think that's fine clearly there's purpose in this and like people fucking love this movie clearly there's some art shit going on i don't love that relationship people have with their characters and that, that that's why i said the work that i write that ends up like this is some of the work i like the least because i read it back you know because i normally like reading my own writing um i think i'm a great <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm a really good writer. No, but, you know, I've read some of my own work that has, like, no empathy for its main character, and I'm like, this, this is, like, really unpleasant to read. Then let's say I am incredibly influenced by uh the director therefore the reason why i don't have empathy to someone is because of lars von trier himself then the question to me is how convinced am i that lars von trier who probably doesn't have really a real understanding of how what's like to be a mother can i have faith that he understood selma's motivations the same way that you're arguing for maddie right i kind of want to segue a little bit into the allegation not the allegations i think we can say the proof i don't think we need to pretend like this didn't happen kind of terrible terrible fucking shit that lars von trier like clearly he had no empathy for bjork the woman so it would make sense that he would make a movie where he has no empathy for his main character right you know there's like harassment stuff there's like belittling there's like sexual advances that were inappropriate this movie to me made it so clear that lars von trier is an asshole it seems strange for me to anyone to watch 
watch this movie and know that this man made this movie and then be like, wow, there's he totally could exactly, especially like, I, and I was watching when I first like rewatched it and saw the opening part again, where the director is just all over Selma. He's making any any chance he can to touch her and move her body to where the block is. And even like towards that that one scene where he like kisses her on the head, hugs her when she decides she doesn't want to be Maria anymore and it's like, well I can still I can still uh get you a tap number that you want to do when you're the old nun that and all that. And just it was weird when I first watched it again after, you know, all this stuff came out and just mirrored. It's just intense. <laughs> no wonder it's so realistic. Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah. Are we also talking about that fucking people who hold cameras are actually more abusive than authors because authors try to develop characters and understand psych while people who hold cameras just point cameras at everything like they're objects <laughs> i wasn't gonna say that but it sounds right when you say it <laughs> i mean but like also i mean do we want to do the fucking lines because i mean what lines like coke no, no no i mean like you can just go down the list of famous authors who are total shitbag abusers like they <laughs> authors are not exempt from being bad people no i just think the auteur experience is sometimes so intense that it maybe says something about the person who makes the media when it's a certain kind of way i'm just talking about this empathy thing it's, it's something i've been thinking about more and more because my friend I'll, I'll shout her out quick on the podcast her name's maya she's great she's the smartest person i've ever met Aww. she's very cool Aww. she's a doctor she got done being a lawyer and a published author and decided to be a doctor. Hot damn. Yeah, she's wild. So she said that the reason you should have empathy for your characters is because they exist in like a very transient, quark, super complicated physics-y, metaphysical, spiritual kind of way. I don't think I could rearticulate what she said. But so she would say that when people make pieces of media that have so little empathy for their characters, I have a feeling she would she would go a step further and be like, I think it's a good insight into people by the media. Maybe my mentality of this film is wrong because I go th into films never treating characters to development narration the craft element the craft element so i have a very easy time unclicking when i think a character development is annoying to me and i unclicked with selma because in a craft perspective i thought it was a very pornographically abusive to the character yeah exactly she's a paintbrush that's what i was saying she's a paintbrush for tragedy she's just like that she only exists to be sad and be a victim so for me instead of going deep into that i just unclick maybe I need to be like, oh, so many people empathize with this character. I need to figure out what it is that makes her empathetic and not empathetic. Like Maddie's thing about someone being a mom and then your thing about her pornographic paintbrush stuff. I think both of them go hand in hand and explain a lot about why a lot of people empathize and also don't empathize. I, I wish we could talk about this one day. I am like so bad with the other elements of craft that go into filmmaking. Like I, I can't talk about shots and color and stuff. Stuff like that. Like, I can be like, yeah, that scene looked really cool. Or I can talk about when the shots inform the narrative, right? Like, we can go back to The Shining and I, I can talk about the way Kubrick uses the camera to make you uncomfortable. But that, all that gets back to the plot. But that is the conversation. It's like, wow, this is so fucking rad. And you sit with mm. the rad moment. You're like, we're in rad time, baby. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> that is talking about the aesthetic craft of whatever we're talking about. I get down with about. narrative radness. Are you kidding me? I was rereading Baki the Grappler and there are like these sections where Baki just 
just like does such a good punch and everyone's like he's so good and i'm like that's so rad that he's so good Maybe this is why i thought the film was funny like darkly funny first of all this movie has a bit of possibly a michigan vibes yes it does but here's our things that made me think this movie is kind of funny and we can see if i'm like just fucked in the head or no dude i um, was laughing too in parts <laughs> i was laughing too okay see i did not laugh once so this is interesting yeah fucking in the court scene she's like oh my dad is ojit Lisky. and then the prosecutor's like let us bring our next witness and then ojit Lisky fucking comes up like out of nowhere <laughs> that's the most absurd fucking courtroom <laughs> that you're there's gonna, a like, bunch of lines that i have written down that like are just like the most the ridiculous shit in the yeah, world. Yeah, this cop guy, whenever he like, let me sit down and talk to you. My wife, she spends too much money. Dude, fucking how funny <laughs> is that shit when you like strip out Bjork being like, oh. Yeah, the way it's written, yeah. It sounds like so many times that written for the stage because of the way the acting is and like the lines and the way they're delivered. It just seems instead of for a film, it's more of a, a stage production. Um, so, like, the biggest part that shocked me, I guess, and made me kind of, like, burst out laughing was when, like, she finds out that Bill's brought her son Gene in the cop car and he's been skipping school. And she fucking runs out. She makes sure to take his glasses off and she slaps the crap out of him. <laughs> but it's okay. It's the 60s. And she's like... Tells him he needs to be in school. She's like, you've been hanging out with those automobile thieves. And Gene goes, so what? That is a good fucking I mean, bit, And then Jeff, you know, is like, hey, Selma, what you going on? Is everything going all right? I mean, I can take Gene to school. And she's like, she, she's like, she's like, what the hell are you doing here, Jeff? He's like, well, I thought you clocked out. It's, I don't clock out for another two hours, Jeans. I don't ever clock out this, but I thought you were going to clock out. I never clock out this early. She just fucking let. I don't think it was just the talking. The situations are absurd, too. But because of Bjork's acting, where she's like responding to all these weird things super normally and acting like everything around her is completely normal. Normal. Actually, I have to admit, Bjork's acting was actually kind of funny. There are moments because the camera's doing the shaky cutting scene, like something would happen. It would cut to Bjork's face, and she was just like daisical, drifting off into her nowhere fucking land yeah. on her face. Okay, you can be like, oh, pity her. She doesn't understand what's going on in the world, and she's going blind. But it's also like, what the fuck is this? This is really funny. Especially in the court scene, where it's like, she's a murderer. Cut. She's just like looking off into the fucking sky. She's like, I'm listening to this, the guy's pencil as he draws the scene. Yeah, see, that's me. That's my life. When she was getting hanged, and then the her security guard is so overdramatic, and she's like, no, she could do it herself. Let her breathe. She can't breathe. <laughs> what are you doing? I get Bjork is sweet, but you're that fucking smitten. You're about to do something so fucking illegal. And you're going to break the rules in such an absurd and ineffective way. Also in that scene, there's a guard who clearly has no idea what's going on. So he's like, nah, man, I got to make a phone call. So this guard is on the side <laughs> making a phone call while everyone is crying and being like, oh, no, it's so terrible. And Bjork is like screaming and crying. Where's Gene? Where's Gene? They look at Bjork. They look at the audience. Everyone's in shock. Even the cop's wife who accused her is regretting her decision. And then they cut to the guy on the phone who's just on the phone like, what the fuck is going on? It's hilarious. <laughs> 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 Thank <laughs> you.
Uh, do you guys know about the Bjork stalker? I vaguely remember hearing about this. Didn't he get, like, charged or something? So he was this very sad, depressed dude who worked as a pest control. He smushed ants for a living. He poisoned ants for a living. And he was obsessed with Bjork and he loved her and he would write all these, like, crazy things about her in his journal. And then she started dating this guy named Goldie and he got very angry and was like, I'm gonna murder Bjork. I hate Bjork. She fucking sucks. What? Okay, so murder her instead of the guy she's dating, right? That makes fucking total sense. Of course, right? And he was also deeply depressed because he had, he was embarrassed because he never learned how to drive and he had gynecomastia, which just means he had huge boobs, which is like, man, that's fine. Come on over here. I'll give him a, a squeeze. Hey, man, everybody loves bitch tits. Everyone loves a boob. Everyone loves a boob. Bob had bitch tits. Who's Bob? Bob's from Fight Club. I've uh, never <laughs> seen Fight Club. I will never see Fight Club. You, you've never read Fight Club? No. I should, because I that's Chip Palahniuk, right? Yeah, and he's a gay man writing about, like, you know, men trying to empower them. And it's like, guys go around quoting Fight Club and thinking that that's what it's about, and it's, like, written by a gay man, and it's like, you guys are such fucking idiots, it's a satire. All right, <laughs> I'll read it. Um, <laughs> no, but so the Bjork stalker, right, he's, like, super pissed at Bjork. And so first he decides that he's going to build a letter bomb that is filled with AIDS needles, needles that have been used for, that are HIV positive. Oh, how is he going to collect those? How, does he know how he's gonna do that? Wait, Maddie, are you interested in building one? Your face is like no. I'm just super... curious to know, like that seems like a fucking outlandish fucking thing to do. <laughs> and if you don't know what you're fucking doing, it's not gonna get done. Well, I mean, it was in it was in the it was during it was the height in of the, the anarchist cookbook. Anarchist, I don't know what that fucking word is. Anarchist, Anarchist cookbook. The Carly Rae Jepsen cookbook. Seriously, the oh. this is a funny thing though. Like whenever. That Walt would talk about Anna Karina. I swear to God, I thought he was talking about the character Anna Karenina. And I thought that's like who he was in love with for the longest time. I thought that was like his waifu. And I was like, well, that's cool. Yeah, that's actually quite a common mistake. It's just, she's so boring. I don't get it. It's fine. It's fine. My, 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 you're so dumb. You're so fucking dumb. (laughs) He's mad. He's so mad. Okay. Okay. So I hate when people make statements about my waifu and they haven't watched everything it's like when suede makes statements that willow is better than buffy but he's only watched three fucking seasons you can't make a statement I've like that more when you haven't even seasons, seen dark fucking... willow what are you even talking about suede you don't know what happens <laughs> just got a total character change okay do you want to hear about the bjork stalker because it gets wild <laughs> to be honest no uh, let me finish the bjork stalker so he can't figure out how to make this aids bomb so instead, he decides to mail Bjork an acid bomb, oh. like a sulfuric acid bomb. And it got mailed to How's that going to work? It was ready. It was going to fucking throw a bunch of acid in her face. But someone at the post office <laughs> Sorry, stopped Sorry, that's not it. funny. No, but I mean, it's crazy. No, but the way Slade is calling it is really funny. You imagine like these little ants inside <laughs> these bombs and they're like, here's some acid. And they throw it onto Bjork's face. <laughs> Why are the ants throwing acid? Why are they ants? Because he works at pest control. <laughs> that's true. He trained ants. We all know this. That's true. <laughs> He, he's trained the hands to throw poison on her. But so here's the so after he does all this, he shaves himself bald, paints himself red and green, and then records himself saying that he loves Bjork and plays one of her final songs, and then shoots himself in the head, oh. all on the back of a canvas. And Bjork was very upset about this whole thing. By the way, she did I'm not sure have a good she time. Was. She did not have a good time. I'm sure she did not. It's crazy. It's just, that's just crazy. That's just nuts. Do you guys want to talk about Bjork? Her icon is fucking weird too right 
I have I know nothing about Bjork. I will probably listen to some Bjork after this. Like I, I'm going to add her to my listening just to see. I, one I've of my never favorite songs is Hunter, but like definitely the album for the movie is pretty good. Especially that I've seen it all with Tom York singing with her because Tom but York. But Tom York doesn't sing in the Angel film. Baby. No, he's not in the film, but he's in the album version because they don't use the people in the film uh, uh, except for Bjork on the album. I haven't listened to the Tom York version. I have. I'm going to have to. It's so good. So good. It's better than fucking Jeff not being able to sing. <laughs> What's your favorite Bjork album? My favorite Bjork album. I don't really have a same like Bjork album. I just like the song Hunter because it was on the X Files soundtrack when I was little. I'm a hunter. Uh, my favorite Bjork album is probably Pinkerton. So should I not talk about Bjork? <laughs> you can talk about her. <laughs> I know Bjork. some of her. I just don't know everything. I just like don't think Bjork's music sounds that different from one another. <laughs> so they all sound the same. I think so, and I know people are like, "What the fuck, Walter?" So I really like Vespertine. For me, when I listen to Bjork, I fall in love with an album, and then I can't listen to the other albums because they all just are, like, not interesting anymore. And then I might lose patience with Vespertine in the future and then fall in love with Comogenic again and then, like, lose patience with everything else. That's, like, so... The other th- okay, fine. Fuck my journey through Bjork. I don't even care about. It. I bored myself. I'm cutting out. <laughs> That's of the good. Yeah, it wasn't a very funny bit. I was gonna do a whole thing where I was like, "Well, you were right, Walter. It wasn't uh, very funny." Second thing, then is Bjork the Meyer my- Mary Meyer Carey of uh, art pop? Who? He's <laughs> <laughs> talking about Harry Murakami. No, what <laughs> Maria? He's talking about Harry Styles. Maria, Maria Carey, Mariah. Mariah Carey? Fucking Christ, bro. What the fuck? It's Mariah Carey. That's like not a hard one. That's like a very easy one, too. I don't too. know her very well. She's like not so I don't know her very well life. either, but I can say her name. Oh, that's crazy. First of all, you have to know. I, that's just wild, dude. That's fucking. You like. What is wrong with you? Who hurt you? It's insane. It's it's just like fucking okay. crazy. Last week, Swate said Mariah Carey's super famous for going, oh. <laughs> yeah, that is something so she does. Initially, yeah, yeah. when I listened to Bjork, I thought she was really inaccessible. I was like, what the fuck is up with this? It's like not easy to listen to. Now that I saw her singing this musical, I understand it. People like Bjork going, oh. Except she does it in an Irish accent, right? So it's Except more like. she does it in like Icelandic. Icelandic, I- sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just say leprechaun did you just like were you jesus fucking christ dude there goes all our irish listeners we're Icelandic listeners that's actually more both okay fine she's more like ice she's like ice she's like elsa dude can you imagine how much better frozen would be if it was El- it was bjork oh my elsa? god yes you know what i noticed too that lead female singer in monsters of men sings just like bjork are they Icelandic? Yeah, so it's interesting. And she kind of looks like her, too. I'm just not trying to say they all look alike, but like... We all lost those them again! Look the same. <laughs> Dude, it's fine. They're white people. It's fine. They got, they're part Viking. They're cool. Fuck you, Icelandic people. I'm done walking on eggshells for you guys. You and your if volcanoes. If you're listening to our podcast, get the fuck out no, of here. No, don't get the fuck out. 
And why is your fucking country named Iceland when it's fucking green? You were gonna Bjork stalk. Okay, why is Bjork stalker more interesting to you than Bjork? Dude, because fucking she makes music. Like fucking, who cares? Who cares about the Bjork star? You know what? She wore a fucking swan. Okay, (laughs) so you don't say. She just makes music. She is fashionable too. We might as well talk about like Rivers Cuomo. I I love Rivers Cuomo, even though he's he's great. I love Rivers, even though he's kind of a problematic dude, maybe, in his lyrics. Yeah, he is very problematic. <laughs> but I love him so much. But he makes good music. It's, yes. See, I told Dexter this story. You can love a person's art, but you don't have to like the person. Because we were talking about John Lennon, and I was like, yeah, John Lennon used to beat, beat up his wives. And Dexter was like, well, I don't like him. I was like, you can like his art. You don't have to like I him. I think Dexter just doesn't like John Lennon's music. No, he loves the Beatles. Oh. Fuck. Oh, he loves yeah. the Beatles. Get wrecked, Walter. No, Walter, he should listen to what, Velvet Underground instead? No, no, I feel like Dexter would be like more into uh, XXX Tenacion, baby. You know what I mean? Dude, Dexter's like, no. Dexter's like six. No. <laughs> If I don't listen to that music, Dexter doesn't listen There's to that no music. Way he's listening to XXXTacio. He's way like, too young for that. Blueface, the new fucking problematic rapper. Is that like a new weird hip hop guy? Okay, why <laughs> do you care about people killing themselves? I like. I, I actually don't think the story is very interesting. No, I just. Oh my god, that's not okay. I, that's not what I wanted to ask. <laughs> what I wanted to ask is if you were gonna stalk a celebrity. Which celebrity would you stalk? Okay, but you brought up the story in relationship to Bjork because you're fascinated by this story. Because he shaved his head and painted himself red and green. It's just weird. It's just weird. And then had a canvas ready behind him as he shot himself in the head. Like, that's preparation. And I like the idea of mailing someone a bomb. Okay, well, let's not say that. I think it's... I think yeah, it, I, I don't want the I, Homeland Security on this. I think it's funny. I think. I mean, it's not funny. It's, it's dangerous and bad. So this is like how you like Kanye but you can't say you like Kanye because you're scared of the repercussions. No, 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 no. This is very different. And for the record, like, I don't like really Kanye. really think Bjork Stalker is super cool actually and you kind of No, no, no. no. <laughs> I just look, Okay, I just think it's okay. Maybe maybe this is like That's where, the picture oh my behind God. you. Listen no here, you, bow you down tiny... to that picture behind you every day. The Bjork Stalker. That's crazy. No, I think being so obsessed with someone that you're going to mail them a bomb is very funny to me. Well, that's because we can't imagine that kind of mental break from reality. Well, so that's why I want to ask, is there a celebrity that you could stalk like that? Is there someone who, if you found out something about them, you could be like, oh no, my life is over? Not anymore. Certainly when I was younger. I mean, I don't have that impulsivity for that kind of thing nowadays, but definitely Tom York. <laughs> Did you like him dancing in <laughs> oh, the Oh, Lotus fucking- Flower. Lotus Flower. You're talking about Lotus Flower. Yeah, what's the most handsome Tom York? It's Lotus Flower, right? Uh, I mean, him in the bowler cap is pretty amazing. There's um, one where he dances with this girl for the Adams for Peace ingenue, and that's pretty sexy too. So, like, even though they're doing really unsexy dancing, it's all right. Your can't do a sexy dance and be sexy. He has to do an unsexy dance. Yeah, that's his right. vibe, right? Yeah. Like, is it even sexy if Tom York did the zero two dance? No, it'd be like transcendent almost. It'd be like so unexpected that you'd be like, whoa. Who is Tom York? (laughs) He's a lead singer of Radiohead. Oh, Radiohead! (laughs) All I want for Christmas is you, you, baby. Yes.
Dude, how good is that fucking song? Okay, if that song was not a Christmas song, would you even care about no, it? No, but I like Chris. I like Christmas. I'm, I'm don't say you Christmas. like the fucking song. I do like say, the song. How good is that Christmas song? It's a good song, song I, for, for the Christmas time. No, you don't like the song. You only like it because it's Christmas time. I mean, it, it got her a bunch of money. Like, that's what just blew a good her up. Song. It, it makes me excited for Christmas. This has nothing to do with whether, whether or not the song is good or not. Fuck you I, too, Walter. I think the do song you, is How great. do you feel about I think Christmas, the song Maddie? It's fine. I like Halloween better. Oh, my God. Shit to your opinion. Sorry, but I just, I don't care for it. Like, because I've gotten older and, like, I don't do Christmas with my families anymore. I'm trying to create stuff with my, my own son. And yet, it just doesn't feel the same. And plus, it's, a, you know, if we were celebrating Yule, it'd be one thing but it's fucking a holiday for a religion that i don't even fucking celebrate so i just i don't even i like the tree and the tinsel and the snow (laughs) and the santa claus oh you don't like the family i do i do well i mean i i am i am lucky in that i get to spend christmas with my family lucky or unlucky i'm not sure which it is but all right fine let's sing christmas songs a little of both (laughs) deck the halls with rainbows coming fa la 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 we love the red nose reindeer oh my god had a very fun Santa Claus is coming <laughs> to I need to ruin Christmas for you, so I'm gonna constantly sing Christmas. You songs won't be able to. Fucking. You won't be able to fucking dude. So like Santa how do you feel Claus about walking into like department stores that town. play the music, you know, in October? And they're like, hey, Christmas is coming. Sweet Don't love you it. love it, Swain? Are you assuming <laughs> that the fucking Friday after Thanksgiving, I come into the bookstore, I am not going to be bumping Christmas music? Because I will be. <laughs> Do you listen to Q99 then? Because they are always playing the no, Christmas I put on, music. No, I, I actually there. am working on a Christmas playlist for the store right now. That's going to have some Aww, good you shit. Should, you should make it of all, yeah, some like decent artists. Well, I'm going to put it all. I'm going to put it all on there. Hey, Bare Naked Ladies just came out with a Christmas album. Oh, Check it out. That's, I, I like Jimmy Buffett as a good Christmas Christmas album. My Chemical Romance's yeah. cover of All I Want for Christmas is You. The Killers has some good Christmas songs. All the like old Christmas Philly Soul stuff, you know, like What Do the Lonely Do on Christmas? What do the lonely do? Oh yeah. This Christmas. <laughs> There's like so many good Christmas songs. Guys, I'm hyped. I mean, every ending of this show is until Christmas happens is gonna be like Christmas. That's not true. I'm I'm not gonna talk about Christmas anymore. No, I'm gonna talk about Christmas. <laughs> no. Yes, no, don't you yes, dare. Keep yes. your Keep your grubby little Don't fingers off my heart. Christmas! Let's go! Do you One, remember? Two, do you, three, Christmas! <laughs> I don't know if you've ever talked about this. When Tori and you and me all lived together, Donna. and Tori would like sleep in until like noon, um, or like even later. <laughs> and when I finally knew they were awake, nice. I would kick open their door and I would jump into their bed and be like, it's Christmas! I probably did this to you too. Did I ever jump in your bed and go, it's Christmas? And then it would never be Christmas. This was like, in, in <laughs> you hated my bed. But it's true, because you don't have a bed. You just have like a sleeping bag on the ground. Well, well how come, did you not have like a little, like a, a down mattress with like feather pillows and with sheep's wool on there, Walter? Because you have so much, so much money. I agree with Maddie. Beds are for posh people. If you have a bed, my little DJ, and you have a bed right now, burn that fucking bed. You are a fucking posh person. Burn your fucking bed and sleep back on the floor like a real (laughs) human. 
it's Christmas! Yay! It's, it's Christmas! <laughs> Don't sleep on your bed! Or be- better yet, sleep in a manger. Sleep in a manger like sweet Ooh, baby Jesus. I like that reference. That's my favorite part of Christmas. Religious studies, going to church, and hanging out with family. <laughs> I mean, I do love hanging out with family. I just wish my family was not terrible. Dude, you love your priest. You always suck his dick. Stop. Oh, jeez. Stop. Stop. Hot take. Stop. Maddie, quickly. Uh, what's your Twitter handle so we can shout it out so people can follow you on Twitter? Uh, Quick. Uh, Quick. Oh, Before Walter oh, says something else. I do believe that my Twitter handle is at fake plastic iris. Like the, the flower. I-R-I-S. Not like the the eyeball and like fake plastic trees from radio yes exactly exactly see see he knows knows. christmas (laughs) so yeah go ahead and follow maddie um also do us a favor and follow at fake film fans because all i really do is just post y'all's posts anyway sometimes i'll have stupid shit i'll post where i'm like oh that'd be funny i'm just gonna put that up there nobody likes it but i don't care (laughs) it's not unlike our twitter no one likes it (laughs) but this time we're creating a new twitter trend hashtag christmas guys i thought it was hashtag water oh the hashtag is rotating go ahead and share the episode with people it really helps out and that's kind of what we need oh my god oh hell yeah dude i am everybody even like my friend elizabeth is like when it when it gets posted you need to tell me about it and i'm like i fucking will bitch yep maddie's doing the lord's work my mom and my dad and maybe my brother i don't know dexter when he gets a little older yeah maybe maybe probably not (laughs) he was trying to watch the movie with me tonight and and i was like no i'm trying to do the last 15 minutes so i can watch it over again and take notes that's probably the most (laughs) hardest part to watch the last 15 minutes for dexter because if dexter only got the musicals he'd be fine he knows i've seen it all because i used to play that song all the time in the car all right well i think we've reached the end of our time together and we are going to go ahead and uh, Walter I swear to (laughs) fucking Christ himself I will crucify you not unlike the little baby Jesus in the manger save me strike down this fool Maddie do you want to take us out yes well (laughs) sorry give me a second Every guest, every guest struggles with the yeah. thing I say at the end of every, every episode. It's not every I guest. Don't... It's literally, it's, it's hey. not every guest. I struggle too. Hey. <laughs> okay, okay. If you're gonna watch a movie, do it in the dark. <laughs> That was wrong. That was wrong. You fucked it up. You fucked it up. It's if you're gonna watch a movie, do it with the lights off. Damn it. God damn it. Fuck this podcast. Okay, let me do it one more time. Yeah, do it again, do it again. Just go for it. If you're gonna watch a movie, do it with the lights on.